We were at your missions month uh, about a year ago, just about two weeks after the war started. And uh, that was a, kind of a momentous moment. And when we shared the burden that we had to do what we could for our believers and churches and people in Ukraine, this church responded beyond our imagination and uh, really contributed so heavily that it, it actually resulted in many more uh, churches responding, and, and God has really blessed. And we would have imagined, like, when I stood here a year ago, I would have never imagined what God would do with what started here. And today we're glad to give you kind of an overview uh, with what God has been doing with the aid that you have provided and spurred from others as well. And uh, we begin just uh, with a picture of Ukraine, and you'll notice that we're all wearing these uh, Ukrainian embroidered shirts. They're called Vishavankas, which uh, is traditional, go back centuries. They'll wear these uh, for traditional events and holidays and things. And that map shows you the different designs that are unique to different parts of Ukraine. You'll notice that dark area, that's the region of Ternopil. That is uh, where my family's from. My father was born there. And uh, we now are in, we, we now have just started a fourth church in that, that region. And uh, that would be a delight and a joy, joy to my father's house because the first church was started. My father was still living and uh, he recruited Brother Vitali, who's from that area, to plant a church there. And so we thank the Lord for what's been done. Now that area, there's a, there's a reason why that area is dark. It goes back to centuries ago when that area of Ukraine was invaded by the Tartars and the Mongols. And uh, they decided as they conquered that region to force marriage on the young ladies in the Ternopil region. And of course, that was an awful heartbreaking thing. And traditionally, a, a bride-to-be, months before the wedding, would uh, embroider the Vishavanka, the wedding Vishavanka. And in protest... Unlike all the other Vishavankas, these were made especially dark. So there's a little history beside, behind that particular region. And uh, you're familiar with our ministry. We began back when uh, Russia was a closed country. We, uh, during that time, uh, God's people were being persecuted. And uh, there was no open door to preach the gospel freely, but God opened the door for us to share the gospel by radio. And God blessed uh, that outreach. Eventually, we were on seven different stations that were beaming to the millions in the Soviet Union that needed to hear the gospel, and many were saved as a result of that. Uh, then the Iron Curtain came down, and uh, things dramatically changed. All of a sudden, there was freedom, and we went to the Lord in prayer asking how to direct our ministry in light of all the changes. And God directed us to shift from radio to planting churches by supporting training and equipping nationals. And uh, God has uh, blessed that outreach. We started the Moscow area. Those crosses are where some of the first churches were established. And then we uh, reached out to Ukraine and some of the surrounding countries. And eventually, uh, not only Eastern Europe... But God burdened our people to reach down to the Muslim republics to the south, uh, Central Asia. And uh, we thank the Lord uh, that uh, even now uh, we have a couple dozen converted Muslims that are trained, that are reaching their own people, and they're planting churches. And so uh, since those early days, we are now in our 106th church plant. And uh, we thank the Lord. You folks have been a huge part in that. 
And we won't say m much more about the ministry overall, but if you want to get information, this is a, a DVD. It's free. It'll, it'll give you an overview of our ministry from the beginning till, the, till, till now. And uh, you can also go to our website, baptistinternational.org, and there's a lot of information there, including we have almost 100 videos now posted of our men reporting on what they're doing with the funds that folks like you have invested to, for war relief. And the, the, you know, many have been helped. We, we've evacuated many people. We've provided uh, aid. We've, uh, and even now, our men are going up and down the uh, front, the battle front. And it's interesting to watch some of these videos because you see they're endangering their lives. You can hear the artillery go in the background. And the people along that war front, they're so used to that, they don't even run and hide anymore. But uh, you, can, you can get more information for our, our website. And God is blessed. We're now in our 56th church building program. And uh, you folks have had a tremendous part in a lot of these, and we mentioned a little bit even about the one in Siberia. But uh, this is uh, the church buildings and churches that we planted in Ukraine. Ukraine is about the size of Texas. And so praise God for all these church plants and building programs. And I want to call your attention to the highlighted area in the upper north. That is the region just above the capital city of Kiev. Uh, it is the Chernigov region. And as you can see up to the north, it borders Belarus. And it is the, this is the path that the Russian army took down from Belarus when they descended upon Kiev. You remember on the news seeing that 40-mile caravan of tanks and artillery that they, they hoped to, to, to hit Kiev and, and hit it hard. And um, these are locations of churches that we've built right along that path. And the fact that the, all these churches are still standing is just because of the, God answering the prayers of God's people. The things that they've been exposed to, it's, it's by God's grace that uh, none of these buildings have been destroyed. So we thank God for that, especially in places like Desna. This is uh, where Brother Eager, he's got the church there that was planted right on the military base, largest military base in Ukraine, and it's been hit hard. And the fact that that building hasn't been touched is an absolute miracle. Uh, I've been to, to Ukraine now five times since the war began. And I remember when, when I went to my fourth trip, the people in the churches, that I was there uh, the same week that, and Amy was with me, it was during the, their Independence Day. And if you remember, the, the ex-Prime uh, Minister of England, Boris Johnson, was there, and he was walking up and down the streets of Kreshatik. And uh, I wasn't that brave, but <laughs> I did go, and uh, one of the brethren began to call me the Baptist Boris Johnson. So, <laughs> but uh, when, you, when you go there, it's, it's heartbreaking, the devastation, the destruction. I, I don't think we'll know how awful it has been till it's over. There's a lot of stories that have not been told. There is so many pictures that haven't been seen. And uh, praise God, our buildings are still standing. That doesn't mean we haven't come close. This is Sasha. He's in another military base to the north, Goncharovsk. And this is uh, a street right by his church. And that rocket landed, never exploded. If that would have exploded, his church and some of those homes would be gone. Uh, this is a church and rehab center that we have in 
Fostov. There's two churches we planted in Fostov. And Fostov is a huge railroad center. And when Russia was targeting railroads, they aimed, they hit some warehouses instead of the railroad. But it fell close enough to our church where it blew out a lot of doors and windows. But they didn't even miss a service. And uh, so this, the, the windows and doors were, were quickly replaced. Um, this is a statistic that is uh, in, back to June, put out by the uh, Institute of Religious Freedom. And, they, and it shows, 200, so, so far, 270 churches have been destroyed through the war. Uh, 43 of them are Baptists. Now, that's been recently updated. The number now is 474. I mean, who would have imagined that in our lifetime there'd be such a devastating attack? And uh, this slide is outdated. This is what we've been able to do with all the aid that God's people have provided. We are now over $1 million of aid that we've actually distributed to over 100 churches in Ukraine. And we have a newsletter on our display table that uh, gives some more information about that. Uh, this is our most recent issue. The issue before that is also on our table, and it describes some of the efforts of some of our men as they're ministering on the war front. And you'll, you'll see some videos about that this evening evening. But praise God for the fact that we've been able to reach out to so many churches. And uh, we've, uh, we've had a lot of containers that uh, have come in. And on the lower right-hand corner, you can see this is, a, this is in Jagodin, a border city with Poland, and that's where the containers get unloaded. And you'll see a 24-foot blue truck and like four big white vans. It took all those vehicles and that crowd of volunteers to unload one container. And then they're loaded onto uh, semi-trucks. Uh, in that case, it, the, the, those went to different areas. But in some cases, the entire load goes onto one semi-truck that delivers it to one location. You can see up on the upper left-hand corner that uh, that container went to, Disney, to, to Desna. Hours, just hours after it was unloaded, they were hit hard. And uh, it was in our press releases, in our news, they said that 83 soldiers were killed through that attack. But our people there tell us it was more likely near 300. And uh, so these are very difficult times, and, uh, but it's an opportunity to share the gospel. And as our folks distribute this aid that's so generously provided by God's people, and uh, the Lord's people, they are not wanting just to fill empty stomachs. But they want to minister to people's souls. And that's a central part of our distribution. There's a gospel presentations always. And it has really lifted up the testimony of the church. Because the church is more than anybody is helping people. And uh, people who would have never dreamed or wanted to go inside a church now are coming to the churches. First they came for the, because they had basements for, for shelter from the bombs. And uh, then they came to receive food. And as uh, they do, they hear the gospel, and many have turned to Christ. And that's lifted up the testament of the community. In fact, uh, this, uh, on the lower left-hand corner, there's Eager with a couple of his men, and they're right on that military base. They heard that in the forest, they're surrounded by a forest, that, that in that forest there was a unit of special Ukrainian forces that was sabotaging that column of Russian tanks and artillery descending upon Kiev, and they heard they were hungry. So they began to take some of the supplies and food that we were providing and share it with those soldiers in the forest. And you know, 
the military brass heard of this and heard of this church and heard of that, and they gave medals. These are military medals that they gave to Brother Eager and some of the, the men. Uh, the church there in uh, Goncharovsk, where you saw Brother Sasha in front of the rocket, he was also standing in front of an elementary school that was totally demolished by a, a, an attack. He and his family live in the apartment building right next door to that, that, that elementary school. So we've, we haven't been hit, but we've gone very close. This is another Sasha. This is a, a military man from Goncharovsk, the first person saved in, in Brother Sasha's ministry there in Goncharovsk. And uh, he, he leads a, a military group that played a huge role in... Um, in uh, driving out the Russians from Chernigov. And you probably heard about Chernigov, how that was devastated. But uh, he actually received a, an award from President Zelensky. And so uh, he's really high up in the military. And the best thing about it is that he's a dedicated Christian. He not only got saved, but he grew so much in the Lord that, that uh, his pastor, Brother Sasha, says, when the war is over, He's definitely going to be a deacon because he's so active and serving the God so intensely. But uh, we want to thank you for what you've done, what you're doing for your prayers. And you've seen kind of an overall picture. And uh, we have uh, a couple dozen missionary families in Ukraine. They're all involved in distributing aid. And uh, we're also uh, in, in partnership in our seminary with a group of churches called the Brotherhood of Independent Baptist Churches, about 120 churches in that group. And so through those contacts and those relationships, we, we've been able to provide a lot of aid along with the gospel uh, to many people in Ukraine. And uh, a lot of people have been evacuated. There, there is like 5 million Ukrainians who have evacuated. And when you have that many leave a country of 40 million, it makes a dent. And every church feels that. These churches have lost a lot of people. And uh, they've all gone to, to, to the West because uh, they're refugees. And uh, the, uh, the best thing about that, though, is that the churches have more than they had before. Because all those who've been saved <laughs> and are coming to the church... And so uh, even though they've lost a lot of members, the churches, uh, many of them have more than they had before the war. And now Brother Vitali's going to come, and now we're going to zero in just on one of these ministries, on his ministry that's been involved in these war efforts. Good morning again. И вы знаете, к нам беда приходит тогда, когда мы ее не ждем. Но благодаря тому, что мы верующие люди, Бог заботится о нас. И к нам беда пришла тоже внезапно. Uh, trouble came to us suddenly. За день до войны наши дети решили уехать, потому что они чувствовали, что будет война. Our two married daughters and their families, just days before the war, were among the few that thought there would be war, so they went to the west of Ukraine. Мы с Аленой не верили в то, что будет война, а они поверили, что будет, и они уехали. 
И это была последняя фотография, которую мы сделали общую фотографию. Больше, больше мы вместе никогда не встречались. И для нас это были очень тяжелые времена. Но хочу сказать, что Бог никогда не оставлял нас в этой беде, в этой войне. Я уже говорил, что несу служение в церкви в Червоной Слободе. Это 60 километров от Киева. Shared in the morning service about my church in Chervona Sloboda, which is 60 kilometers from Kiev. И в воскресенье у нас проходит богослужение, а в четверг у нас Bible study. We have services on Sunday and we have Bible studies on Thursday. И обычно мы проводим это вечером такое служение, изучаем Библию в четверг. Но к нам начала приходить одна женщина, которая очень интересовалась Богом и хотела больше узнавать. И она в церковной группе, уже была подключена в Viber, в церковную группу, написала, а можно сделать Bible стады в среду, а не в четверг? And she uh, joined our our online internet group, and she wrote there, "Could we have this on Wednesdays?" Потому что я очень хочу быть, но я в четверг не могу. Because I'd like to attend those Bible studies on Thursdays, but I can't. И мы решили, что окей, давайте сделаем среду. Well, we decided, okay, no problem. So we changed it to Wednesday. И мы поменяли. And so we did that. И когда мы приехали в среду, это было 23 февраля. So Wednesday, мы провели это обучение, и в конце она вышла и приняла Иисуса в свое сердце. И мы очень радостные поехали домой. И в четверг в ночью уже началась война. В эту ночь. Со среды на четверг, с 23 на 24 началась война. И мы больше церковью вместе не встретились. Я просто хочу сказать, насколько Бог все видит и Он все планирует, даже того, чего мы не знаем. Мы с Аленой в 4.30 ночи проснулись от сильного взрыва. И когда мы проснулись, мы сразу поняли, что началась война. Первое слово, которое я сказал, когда проснулся, война. И целый день мы не знали, что делать нам, потому что для нас это было необычно. 
Мы готовили просто в подвале у родителей, напротив живут родители, мы подготовили место для того, чтобы там ночевать. К нам из разных мест приехали друзья наши из церкви, и напротив дом Алены, брат Виталий живет, и наши дома заполнились людьми. Where Vitaly lives, his uh, Alona's brother lives across the street, as do her parents, and so all three basements began to receive people who were coming there for bomb shelter. Наши соседи пришли, у которых не было подвала, и попросились, можно будем у вас ночевать. And so all kinds of neighbors would come that didn't have basement, asking, can we come inside? И мы подготовили места, где положили матрасы, где мы могли спать. Put out bedding everywhere we could. И вот так началась война. Целый день мы в ожидании были, какие-то новости. Говорят, что русские уже прямо возле Киева. Много беженцев поехали по трассе на, в сторону, на запад. To the west. И 600 километров была пробка. There was a traffic jam that was 600 kilometers long, maybe like 400. Люди просто потихоньку двигались и не могли уехать. And it was like a gridlock of people trying to get out of the city. И нам постоянно говорили, нам нужно уезжать, нужно уезжать. And many people are telling us, you, you need to get out of here. И многие соседи наши уехали. Но я сказал, что мы пока будем здесь и будем ожидать, что Господь скажет для нас. И каждое утро и каждый вечер мы все собирались из разных домов для молитвы и для прославления Бога и для того, чтобы поддерживать друг друга. Наши соседи, они неверующие, но которые жили у нас в подвале, они, мы с ними тоже имели возможность каждый вечер общаться о Боге. И они сказали, когда закончится война, мы обязательно пойдем в вашу церковь. И мы ждем, когда закончится война. Мы просто выходили на улицу и на улице пели и молились. И это было большое ободрение для тех людей, которые остались. Каждое утро у нас через Zoom встреча до сих пор, как началась война, и до сих пор братья встречаются для молитвы об Украине. And uh, every morning, our men get together for a Zoom prayer meeting at 7 a.m. Войска русские подошли очень близко к моей церкви, два километра стояли. The Russian army got within two kilometers, a little more than a mile from my church. И наши верующие из церкви, они все находились в подвалах. And uh, everybody was seeking shelter in basements. 
И там было много людей тоже. И они как раз были посредине. С одной стороны украинские войска, с другой стороны русские войска. И это постоянно над ними летали эти снаряды, бомбы. Моя домашняя церковь Пухова Чорчи, большая церковь, у них есть большой подвал в Киеве. И много людей пришли туда. И мы каждый день ездили, чтобы служить этим людям. Мы принимали гуманитарную помощь, распределяли ее и развозили людям. Все подвалы, даже офис мои семинарии, там лежали матрасы, чтобы могли жить люди. И нужно было служить этим. Алена каждый день готовила для солдат на блокпосты и для военных. Мы подготовили из библиотеки большую для медицины такую комнату. Нам пожертвовали, потому что уже начались проблемы с электричеством, и нам пожертвовали большие генераторы. We were getting generators and, and и, и интересная история. Мне нужно было поехать на другой конец города. Алена со мной была, Никита и другие, чтобы взять этот генератор, большой генератор. И когда мы приехали, вышел навстречу пастор. И этот американец был пастор. И я спросил его, почему вы не уехали? Вы же американский пастор, вы могли бы уехать домой. И он сказал, я остался, потому что я должен служить этим людям. И это очень ободрило нас, чтобы и мы могли дальше служить людям. И мы ездили в пожарные части, полиции, развозили гуманитарную помощь, потому что не работали магазины, ничего не, нельзя было купить продукты. И молодежь, которая жила в церкви, она каждый день ездила по и развозила продукты старичкам, которые не могли себе приобрести нигде. Мы принимали, мы принимали беженцев, беженцев из разных городов, там, где уже была оккупация, и они бежали оттуда. И через месяц русские войска отошли от Киева. И 
И мы поехали по трассе, по которой я ездил каждый раз в свою церковь. И я снял небольшое видео, это путь, по которому мы ехали. И то, что мы увидели, это было ужасно, потому что были разрушенные дома, много машин, которые лежали, они расстреляны, люди хотели убежать, но их русские войска стреляли прямо в упор. И много людей погибло, которые хотели спастись, убежать, но не смогли, их расстреляли. И когда мы ехали, там мы увидели, что даже еще возле машин лежали трупы. Нас не пускали туда, но мы получили специальный пропуск, потому что нельзя было еще ехать туда. Потому что эта, эта территория могла быть заминирована, и никто не знал, что там. И мы приехали и посетили мою церковь, в которую я месяц не мог туда приехать, потому что эта вся трасса, она простреливалась, там были русские. И Бог благословил, пришли наши верующие, мы привезли им продукты, потому что у них не работали магазины, и уже те продукты, которые они имели, они уже почти все закончились. И мы начали посещать и ездить по разным селам и городам, которые были под оккупацией. Я заехал в детский дом, который мы часто посещали с кукольным театром. И интересно, что утром они эвакуировались, а вечером пришли уже русские войска в этот город. И вот что осталось от их детского дома. И мы постоянно ездили, люди потеряли многие дома, и просто с ними нужно было говорить, общаться и помогать. И мы молились вместе с ними, свидетельствовали и развозили гуманитарную и Господь благословил тем, что многие американцы помогали и помогают до сих пор нам для того, чтобы мы помогали там, в Украине. У нас в церкви жила целая бригада, 20 человек электриков, которые приехали восстанавливать электрические сети. Они попросились на одну неделю, но жили два месяца. 
И у нас сейчас живет, живут американ, американские, говорю, наши военные, об этом нельзя говорить, потому что, ну, я надеюсь как-то сказать, что, ну, может быть, не надо. There's something sensitive, you know, but his, uh, the church is even being used now for some strategic purposes that uh, we, we can't get into. И во время войны люди покаялись, которые там в подвалах слушали слово, они пришли к Богу. And many people that came to the basements that were receiving aid and heard the gospel, many got saved. И мы провели летом крещение. And so we had baptism. И наш кукольный театр продолжает служить просто на улицах. Our gospel our gospel puppet team began to meet and have meetings in the streets. И мы проводим детские лагеря еще. During this time, we had camp. И это интересно, что приходится просто на улице, когда звучит сирена, нам нужно бежать в бомбоубежище. And it's interesting because you're you're on the street, all of a sudden the air raid siren sound, and everybody runs to bomb shelters. И когда началась война, вот сверху карта, где где были была оккупация. And on the top picture of Ukraine, you can see the pink area. That's the territory that Russia. Seized when they first invaded. И сейчас очень тяжелая ситуация на востоке Украины. And they remain in that red part. You can see in the lower picture, and the situation there is extremely. Поэтому прошу вас молиться, продолжать молиться за Украину. So please continue to pray for Ukraine. Благодарим вас за вашу помощь, за вашу поддержку. Это очень ощутимо, и мы чувствуем это и благодарны вам за это. And we thank you. For your prayers and for your support, it's so important and precious. Ukraine sama nikada by ne spravilas, yesli by yo ne podjerjali drugie strane i Amerika i vaorujenjem i molitvami i finansova. And today, Ukraine is only remains today because of the help that we received from American other nations, the prayers and the support and the encouragement, and that's what makes it possible for us to continue. Спасибо вам большое. Well, thank you very much. When you're when you're in uh, in Ukraine these days, you you hear stories that are first-hand accounts of just horrific things. And uh, one of the stories we heard when we were visiting our church planter in western Ukraine in the city of Lviv. And they received thousands of refugees. Most of them could just stay for a few days and they go westward. But uh, when I was there, I met a lady uh, with her husband, and they, they escaped from uh, an occupied territory in the east. And in those occupied territories, life is so hard for the Ukrainians, for those that dared to stay. Uh, they are uh, controlled by the, the Russian army and the civilians, uh, they, they have to be very careful, but they're allowed to, to live. But if they find anybody that's in the military service, Ukrainian, they usually kill them on the spot. And uh, this lady's telling us our, her story about their 27-year-old daughter that uh, was in military service and she was caught by the Russians in her town. And... Uh, well, they killed her. And then they called. They called her and says, you know, if you want your daughter, she's, uh, we've, we've killed her. If you want her body, come and get it. And they told her where. 
when she and her husband came to pick up their 27-year-old daughter, she had been cut apart in many pieces. And when you hear these things, and there's so many, I mean, you, it's, it makes you so angry and so frustrated. And no doubt one of the world's biggest problems today is Putin. And when, when you consider all the damage that has been done because of him, it is frustrating. It, it, especially when you consider how he's caused so much damage, so much misery, so much loss of life, so much devastation, and he continues to live like a king. The Fortune magazine had an article, and they pointed out that supposedly, officially, Putin earns an annual salary of $140,000, and his publicly disclosed assets are only an 800-square-foot apartment, a trailer, and three cars. Uh, and I'm reading now, but according to some experts, he may be the wealthiest man in the world, with assets totaling up to over $200 billion. Uh, the founder and CEO of the Hermitage Capital Management, Bill Browder, claimed that he's worth over $200 billion, and he testified to that in our U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. And he said, without doubt, he is the richest man in the world. There was a video that was uploaded to YouTube that was put out by his opposition, the opposition leader there, uh, Alexei Navalny, who is imprisoned. And in that video, they show this amazing palace that is supposedly owned by Putin. It's worth $140 billion, or million dollars, uh, $1.4 billion. It's 190,000 square feet on a cliff overlooking the Black Sea. And uh, it, in that video, which has had more than 54 million views, it shows footage of expansive grounds, two helipads, an underground hockey rink, a sculpture garden, an amphitheater, a private seaport, and more. There's a fly zone around that area. Nothing can fly there, and a no-boating zone in the surrounding waters. Besides that, there are 19 houses, 700 cars, 58 helicopters and airplanes, and a nearly million-dollar yacht or a plane called the Flying Kremlin that has toilets made out of gold, a $100 million mega yacht that was designed by their, their submarine maker. And uh, that's hard to fathom. And it's hard not, not to get angry. And uh, Brother Vitali confessed to me that many mornings, whenever he hears of the latest bombing attack, he uh, prays that Putin would die. <laughs> but then he has to repent because uh, these things are in the Lord's hands. But, you know, there, there is a point in Scripture that has an answer to this. You know, what, what, do we, what do we do that? Because what, what we see in this psalm, and uh, we'll just give you an outline of it, but this psalmist, he got really troubled when he looked around the world and he saw how the wicked were prospering. And it was hard for him to take. And I'm sure that many Ukrainians here in our world today, many Ukrainians and many of us here today, we, we, would have, we have the same struggle. How, how can we explain that the wicked are prospering so much? 
And uh, so the psalmist, uh, he, 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 was a, he was a believer. And we can tell from the first verse that he knew the correct doctrine. He says, truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are, as are of a clean heart. So he knows he could pass a theological test. Yes, God is good. But then he says, then he says, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then he describes what he saw when he took his eyes off the Lord and he looked at the world. And this is what he saw when he looked at the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death. Their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men. Neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covered them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. They are corrupt, speak lawfully concerning oppression. They speak loudly. They set their mouth against the heavens. Psalm 73. Psalm 73. And... Um, when it says there that they set their mouth against the heavens, one of the points the Ukrainians make when Putin says there is no Ukraine is that when he says that, he's working against God. <laughs> he's blaspheming God because God has established the nations. And so, uh, well, this goes on. And you read this description. The psalmist saw kind of like what we see today going on in, in Russia. We see Putin just becoming fabulously wealthy, but wreaking destruction. And then this had an awful effect on this psalmist. Uh, See, the first part of the psalm is the first three verses, the problem of looking at the world. The second part is what we just read, the apparent state of the wicked, verses 4 through 9. Then in verses 12 through 16, we see the results of looking at all this. First of all, he began to agree with the world's perspective because in, uh, in that verse, in verse 12, he says, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Now, the correct view is that they apparently increase in riches, but he's actually adopting the world's view because that's, that's what they say. And then the effect on him was for all the... Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain. I've washed my hands in innocency. innocency. Like, I've, I've, I've lived a good life for nothing in vain. All the day long, I've been plagued, chastened every morning. And so he's, his life is in a bowl of cherries. You know, the wicked are doing a great thing, having a great time, but he's struggling with all kinds of things. And then... Uh, He makes this statement. He says, If I will speak thus, behold, I should offend the generation of my children when I thought to know this. It was too painful for me. In other words, he he was apparently around a, a, a group of believers. He didn't dare say out loud what was going on in his heart. He had he was silent to the outside. But inside, what a battle was raging until all of a sudden everything changed in verse 17. That's when it traumatically changed when he said until I went into the sanctuary of God then understood I their end so when he got into the sanctuary of God we don't know for sure what that is but it was where he got into God's presence and there he could see the world as God sees it through God's eyes and then he saw not the present state of the wicked but their final state and here's he describes the same wicked but look how different this description is he says, surely thou setst them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction, how they are brought about to desolation, as in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awaketh, O Lord, when thou wakest, thou shalt despise their image. 
And so all of a sudden, they're not doing so well. Because now he was seeing them through God's eyes. And so today, on this date, on uh, March 12, 2023, it looks like Putin's doing very well. But that's only, that's only March 12, 2023. God doesn't look at that. <laughs> he sees the end. And uh, there's a song writer who, who wrote these words. That you, I don't know if you're familiar with the song or not, but the words of the song go, if we could see like God could see a thousand years from now, if we could see like God can see, how different we would be. And friends, uh, when he got into the presence of God, and instead of looking at now, he could see as God sees them. And, and the, the, by the way, the destruction that he describes is in the past tense, even though you're talking about something in the future. In the, in the grammar, it's like as good as done because it's, it's written as, as in the past. And then he has, he, he, he has a victory and he, he repents. He, he, he confesses the sin of looking away from God and looking at the world. He says, my heart was grieved. I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, ignorant. I was a beast before me. And then he comes to his correct view. Nevertheless, I am uh, God, God's continually with me. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me in thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Who have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon the earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength and the portion of my heart and my portion forever. You know, the book of Psalms is a hard book to outline. There's a lot of different themes. One of the themes running through the book of Psalms is this theme. God is going to judge the wicked and bless the righteous no matter what it looks like right now. And, and that's, that's the heart of this psalm. And he ends with that theme when he says this, For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all of them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw nigh to God, near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Uh, psalm 37 is a companion psalm. You can read that and, and get, have the same sense of peace. Just take our eyes off what we can see with our physical eyes. Get into God's sanctuary. Get close to God. Let's go to our Bibles. Let's play with, pray with one another. Let's encourage one another. And that is what is helping the Ukrainian brethren persevere through this. And as we get close to God, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. We know the end. We know the final result. And God has his plan, and he's going to be glorified in it. And in the meantime, praise God for the opportunities we have to see so many people coming to Christ. This evening, we'll show you some videos that will bless your heart when you see what God is doing with the prayers and the support that is coming from folks like you. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness, the privilege we have to serve those that are in such need and are suffering so much. We pray you would... Enable us to continue this in Jesus' name. Amen. While we wrap up here, we'll have the Yurchenkos and Slobodians go to the back of the auditorium. Maybe you're here this morning, and just what Sam was just sharing at the end, this is where you're at. You're, you're looking and you're saying, we have all kinds of things, but will they last? They won't. They won't. But a relationship with Christ will last. 
If you aren't sure of that relationship with Christ, I'll gladly talk with you. I'll stay right here at the front, give the opportunity to answer your questions after you're dismissed. Come on up and we'll have a conversation. If you'd like, we can sit down and start in a Bible study with some individuals. be great. Some of you are wondering how can we um, be helping some of these individuals as far as with the, with the uh, different means of providing some of the necessities for some of those people still in that region. When we do our sacrificial Sunday, some of that money is going to head this direction and help them out. The coin boxes, we're doing that. In the meantime, be praying for that, those situations. Be praying for these people as they are involved with providing those those necessities and sharing the gospel. Get a chance to talk with these folk. Thank them for being here. We'll see you this evening as we get our service underway promptly at 6.30. Thank you. God bless. See you later on.